Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is the podcast that brings you the greatest innovation change makers in the world of insurance and insure tech. We speak to innovation leaders from carriers and brokers. We speak to insure tech founders and C-suite executives. And we bring you all of the people that add value to that community, whether it be private equity, venture capitalists, or even people like organizational psychologists and thought leaders and futurists. We try really hard to bring you the most innovative people in the world of insurance on a global basis. So with that in mind, we'd love your support. So please like, share, follow or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Bond. Welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro. FinPro is a leading insurtech specialist recruitment business that operates on a global basis. We have delivered assignments across North America, throughout Europe and into Asia. We are super excited to speak to anyone who has some recruitment challenges that is either starting or scaling a business. And we're confident we can help you find the people to help you innovate the world of insurance one new hire at a time please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Matan, who is CEO of Armadillo. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, Alex. Good to be here. Good. And I did mention this off air, but I think it deserves a mention anyway for people listening in that you have a, a, the best array of uh, armadillo pictures behind you that I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I mean, we really like armadillos here. I, uh, we really like armadillos. It's, very, it's a new installation. This, this happened a week ago. Oh, uh, did it? Yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's why I should have had a cooler name for my business. Like, I don't, I don't, you can buy pictures of Finn Pros. I don't even know what they are. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but look, before we dive into it, um, we know what armadillos are, we, uh, but, but for those people out there that don't know, um, don't know you and don't, don't know the armadillo business, if you'd be kind enough to explain what it is you guys do, that'd be great. Yeah, um, Matan Slachter. Um, I, um, I'll start with myself. I, I was born in the insurance industry. Um, one of those very familiar stories that you'll probably hear all the time. My <laughs> father was an insurance agent. Um, yeah. Uh, he was uh, for a little bit. Um, uh, I was um, started my career as an actuary. I worked for a reinsurance company, Score, uh, pricing blocks of life insurance business, like thousands of life insurance business. We would reinsure those. Um, I then uh, moved over to what people back then called the dark side, PNC, which I I, I find I, I think it's the opposite. PNC is the, the the bright side. It's it's awesome. So I joined AIG. Um, spent about a decade there. I did a lot of different things at AIG, all the way from actuarial to underwriting operations, strategy, um, and ultimately uh, uh, innovation. Um, uh, my last stint there was as head of market disruption of all of the consumer-facing lines of business. So that includes personal lines, auto, homeowners, uh, accident and health, travel and warranty. And um, while I was doing that, this was uh, at the this was a little while back at the precipice of InsureTech. Met a lot of very interesting startups, and I knew that at one point I would probably leave AIG. I was getting more and more comfortable, uh, but I ended up making the leap um, a little bit over a year ago and started uh, Armadillo with my co-founder, Lenston Robbins. Uh, uh, and what we do is we, we, we are a, a new entrant uh, into what's referred to as the home warranty space. As much as I, I personally would change 
home and warranty and call it something else, but for now we'll call it home warranty, the home warranty space. And uh, what we're doing is um, uh, we deliver a product that essentially is the combination of financial protection and service delivery for homeowners. Uh, we, we provide financial help when things break down and those things are HVAC, air conditioning, heating, plumbing issues, uh, heat, um, electric issues, all the major appliances. If anything breaks down, we actually provide the, fin the financial support to repair or replace. Um, and we also have a, a network of technicians across the U.S. We operate uh, in the U.S. Um, that we can send to someone's house if they would like to use our network. Um, so it's a pretty cool product, um, and um, and we we entered it because we 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 felt like this industry needed a, a more homeowner centric or consumer centric offering. Um, so that's that's us. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. And uh, I love the uh, born into the insurance industry. Um, it, it's, I think it's one of those things that it goes back to kind of somewhat, I was at an initial tech event as, a, as I mentioned to you last night, and um, we were saying that the industry doesn't probably do enough to kind of get people, draw people into the industry because, you know, the difference between how much of an interesting business it is versus what like people have no awareness of it think is, is quite dramatic. Like uh, I love films and every film where there's a boring character in it, yeah, they're always like a life actuary or a claims guy. You know, it's like, like, like that's, that's literally like the default go-to. It's like, oh, we'll make them an actuary. Um, if, if they want them, want them to be sort of smart um, and, and, and moderately wealthy, but, uh, but not interesting. That's always sort of, sort of the go-to. And, uh, and we need... We need to do more to change that. Yeah, um, I don't. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, one of our um, um, our VP of Insurance and Partnerships, Liv Kaufman, who's absolutely incredible. You know, me and her, we talk about this. How underrated the industry is, like insanely underrated, and people mm -hmm. just don't get it. And you know, and even uh, I, I started my career in the care on the carrier side, and I, I didn't have an appreciation to the broker, like how dynamic the brokerage, the insurance brokerage space is. So even within the industry, you have dif these different parts of it, the, the MGA, mm -hmm. the program administration, MGU, MGA space, super dynamic. Um, and, you know, as complex as you want it to be, you can really focus on pretty interesting lines of business. I, you know, I'm totally with you. And uh, me being an actor, so my father, when I was in high school said, hey, you know, you're pretty good at math. There's this job, actuarial science that's rated top 10 every year. Uh, and I was, I, I just listened to him, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. my actuarial exams, but I didn't have any, you know, just, I sort of came into the industry without any preconception and um, just luckily stumbled into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the same, I've, I've, I've told this before, but I literally came out of college and, and uh, we just happened to have a really big insurance carrier in our hometown. So they had an open day and you know, when you've, I didn't have a grand plan, um, and also I was terrified that I'd really failed at my degree, which was close to the truth. <laughs> so I thought <laughs> if I get this job before um, my, my results come out, then I can say, oh, yeah, I, I think I'm predicted a really good grade. Um, and, and, I, and I got into it and it's, it's been it. You know, I've been I've been in and around it ever since, and uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, like the last couple of days have been in the InsureTech Insights event, and um, you know, I was, I was telling you, so many different people from. It's such an internet. It's the international nature that I find so exciting. And I spoke to an InsureTech from Azerbaijan yesterday. I was like, okay, didn't know wow. there was a. You know, it, and that's that's exciting to me. And I think we get wrapped up. Um, it 
we need to do better press for it. So, uh, uh, but anyway, before we start that campaign, <laughs> I want to bring it back to to you. you. You've had this really varied career in in your in in insurance. Um, you've done life, you've done PNC it, within PNC. You've done kind of multiple lines of business. Um, why warranty? I suppose was my question. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good question. I uh, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you why I fell in love with warranty. Uh, it's a people thing more so of a, than a line of business thing. That fundamentally. If you look at the math of warranty, even though warranty is not insurance, it's in the US, it's a service contract. It's not regulated the same way an insurance contract of insurance is regulated. Fundamentally, there's a frequency, there's a severity, there are actuaries involved. Well, when there are actuaries involved, you know there's insurance. But 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 fundamentally it's similar in that way. I, I fell in love with the people. So um, AIG acquired a company in 2011 called ServiceNet. Was an extended warranty business. So if you went into Best Buy and in the U.S. and bought, you know, a Whirlpool appliance or something, you could get an extended warranty on it. And that was that business. And AIG acquired it. The founder of that business, Lenston Robbins, or one of a few founders, but Lenston Robbins is now co-founder in Armadillo. Um, I didn't I didn't know him back then, but I worked very closely with ServiceNet after it was acquired by AIG, and their offices were in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was just fascinated by the people, fascinated by the business, by how entrepreneurial they were, even though AIG acquired them. So I've maintained that, you know, just very tight focus on business and what's important. And uh, I worked very closely with them because when I was the head of market disruption at AIG, they would bring me in to be clients to tell those clients, look, we're investing in innovation. AIG is investing in innovation because it's something that clients were at that time, you know, between 2011 and 2020, really caring about. So I, I would travel with them. I got to know um, a lot of folks from that business, and I just, I just loved it. So I, I was getting closer and closer with them. And um, when the, the opportunity to look at specifically home warranty, warranty is a, a broad category, but home warranty, um, pieces seem to line up. You'd like the people, you get Lenston Robbins to say, I love the idea. I like you, Matan, let's do this together. Um, you, you, we have the relationships to get two carriers to underwrite the program. Um, we have, you know, things were lining up. So, you know, to me, it was the people and the ability to now build a business from scratch. It could have been a different business. It could have been a different sure. line of business. But if it was, mm. the, yeah, it's, it's how things lined up that sort of pushed me um, in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not, I'm not one of those entrepreneurs who will say, you, hey, I'm born and raised thinking about home warranty. I, I do. Now I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about, I'm, you know, I'm so, so to speak, obsessed with it. But um, it was more about the right time um, and, and the right folks being involved in the right support structure for an entrepreneur to leave a company like AIG and yeah. start something new. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, it's a big leap of faith. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Um, you know, with, I, I'm either talking to people that want to do something more entrepreneurial, join a startup, and you know, it's a big, it's a difficult, difficult conversation at home. Is the thing that comes up quite often. It's like, yeah, we're going to leave that really comfortable, well-paid role, and then we're going to go throw throw our hat in the ring with this um, smaller business. But um, no, I, I totally get it. Uh, just to clarify something for me, which uh, you touched on. So, presumably, you don't have. You don't have the state-by-state state constrictions of of another class of business because it's not considered a traditional insurance. Uh, am I right in that, or is it? Do you still have the kind of there's state still regulation? There's still yeah. regulation, and that regulation varies by state. In some states, it is regulated by the department by the DOI, the Department of Insurance. Mm -hmm. 
others it may not be. Um, so it's state by state specific, but overall, um, it is, uh, you know, for an outsider coming in, there's still barriers from a regulatory perspective. From an insurance person coming in, seems much lighter, uh, lighter touch. So, you know, I, I put it's like in between mm. middle there, but but you don't have to. In some states, you file the product. In some states, you just let them know what the rates would be. But really, there's no. If we needed to change the rates on the product, in most states we can just change those rates yeah. um, uh, without filing new rates. So, so there are certain benefits of building this this program because you have you have more levers and you can move more quickly if you need to remediate the book of business. There are definitely benefits. Yeah, I, I've wondered if that was part of the appeal because it allows you to scale quicker, presumably, and 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 particularly at that start stage where you're at, so like you say, tweaking that product. Um, that's that's one of the things that slows people down, uh, particularly in the states. And 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 we've got loads of insurtechs over in the, U, the UK and Europe that love to get to the states. And, you know, getting over that regulatory hurdle, state yeah. by state, is pretty much what stops everyone. Um, yeah. I, I I this figure I think either comes from you you or your website. Sorry, <laughs> I can't claim a benefit for this, but um, do you find it surprising that the warranty market apparently has only four percent penetration? Um, considering the amount of money that we spend on technology in our homes, and 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 I suppose following that up, as a second part is that is, is like, what do you think this says about people's relationship with insurance? It's you know, it's a it's a tough question because home warranty is not perceived as insurance. I don't think by consumers. No. Um, so I don't think it says much about our relationship with insurance mm. per se. Um, you know, you look at homeowner's insurance, you look at auto insurance, you, know, you get a new house, your mortgage broker will probably require you to have homeowner's insurance. Yeah. Uh, you need to have auto insurance. And if you, if you don't, it's frowned upon and, and, and there's um, uninsured funds in different states to support accidents when someone is liable, but they don't have insurance and stuff like that. But um, home warranty is not required. And it tells you more about the, that penetration rate tells you more about the distribution channel through which mm -hmm. it's sold and the value of the product than, than it does about insurance more broadly, I think. Um, the other part that would distort that 4% is that a lot of people have a lot of technology and they get extended warranty. So we said before, you go into Best Buy, you buy something, you buy a new computer, a new system, connected home. You might get an extended warranty on that system. Home warranty is like covering a blanket of things. So the penetration is much higher for technologies in our home. So that 4% is more of a, specifically for a blanket coverage for all the things in your home. That's what we're seeing in the market today. We, we look at it as a, a huge opportunity um, because uh, they're just, we think it's an incredible product. Uh, we think we created specifically a categorically better product than the, the current home warranty construct that's in the market. Um, and you see a lot of people as a result of COVID buying homes, a lot of first time homeowners who don't know how much it costs to maintain a home. Mm -hmm. um, I think the statistic is like 1% of the home value every year. So if you bought a $300,000 home, um, that's $3,000 a year on maintenance on average. Um, so we think it's an incredible product. We think it's a great time. So I, yeah, I, I, I can't tie too much to, to, the, to our relationship with insurance. We can talk more about the relationship with insurance because I, I have a lot to say about that. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, that leads us quite nicely up, 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 into our, the follow-up question, which is, you know, do we need 
to help people fall in love with insurance. This is this is my thing. I think I've uh, stolen this from Nigel Walsh uh, slightly <laughs> from uh, Google, but um, you know, do we need to help people fall in love with insurance? How do we do that? Um, because I, I I don't know if they see its value. Because I don't think I don't think personally I don't think insurance has done a great job at, at telling showing people what the value of insurance is. So. First of all, I think we need to make people fall in love with insurance as a profession, which you and I talked on before we went live. Um, yes, we did. That's, a big, that's a big yes, huge underrated area and, and all that. But um, I, you know, I don't think people need to fall in love with insurance in the sense that, so like look at Trove, the company, mm-hmm. Tech Trove. When they started out, they created this thing that said, turn on my insurance on and off, like as high engagement as engagement gets, which... I think is ridiculous between us, but I, I, I just, I think as a consumer, we don't want to make people think about the risks all the time. We just want to make them feel secure in the fact that their insurance is going to have them covered when the time comes, because mm-hmm. you're paying an insurance company upfront and you're paying them and you're paying them. And let's say it's homeowners, you know, there's one claim every six to eight years, or if it's life insurance, one claim in your life that better deliver for my family. Right. So, yeah. And that's why regulators have come in and said insurance companies, we need to have these regulations in place so that you're very well reserved so that you deliver because you're charging up front and you're making a promise. So I think it's more about feeling, making consumers feel secure. I get the digital wave of selling insurance online, but I, I think the, the independent broker, the role of the independent broker is that much more important in a world where every person, and I'm not even talking about business insurance, of course, it goes without say, that a broker, someone who understands risk, a risk manager is, is more than required. But even for an individual in a world where people live different lives, you know, some people are, you know, digital nomads or, or people who love to hop from one Airbnb to another, other people own a home, other people rent, you know, and they have different lifestyles and di- different things. A, a risk manager that can tell you, these are this is the portfolio of tools that you need to to reduce your downside risk. Some of it might be insurance, some of it may not be insurance. Some of it may be like, don't go and parachute off of a plane every week because that's not a smart thing to do. But, but you know, it's, um, I, think, I think it's more about being secure that you have the right coverage because it's a complex, insurance is a complex thing and the complexity comes in the contract that you receive because most consumers are not going to read that contract. There are exclusions, there are specific definitions. and. A broker, well, I wish we could just call a personal risk manager, you know, my personal risk manager, right? I, I, I like that. And I think it deepens the relationship. Um, they read those contracts, they understand them, and they can really advise on what everybody needs. So I, I, it's less to fall in love. I, I think people should fall in love with their Apple computer and technology and their Netflix and all that. I get that. But with the risk, I think it's more about just having a peace of mind, um, you know, but, but that's, you know, it's just my view today. Uh, yeah. yeah. It. Maybe there are certain types of lines of business. Home warranty is different. What we're doing with home warranty is different. It's a lifestyle thing. It's a hassle-free. We are all about hassle-free homeownership. Something breaks, you know, here's a magnet. We literally just printed these out, put it on your fridge. You scan the barcode. You can request service very quickly, single source. So there's a convenience thing. You can talk about that. That's, you know, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, um, yeah. But I think that, I think that's interesting because when I think about insurance, um, obviously different types you know different reasons but most of what I'm looking for is is um, yeah I'm very fortunate I, I, I don't have a lot of financial pressures I, I, I'm 
I'm not extravagant, don't have children. So I've, I have less financial pre pressures than some people. So it, um, this comes from a position of privilege, but I'm not really worried about the sort of reinstatement to, to I just don't want the hassle of if someone crashes into my car, I want a car as quickly as possible. That's that's all I want. And 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 a, and a bit like if something happens with my home um, and I and I need to call on my home warranty and, and the service person needs to come out or I, it's the hassle-free nature of it that I think will make people fall in love with things. It's like people fall in love with Amazon Prime totally. and it's just, it's a delivery service. It's just the best delivery service that we've, we've experienced today. You know, so therefore... We, we kind of, I think, and I, I always think love is pushing it a bit as well, you know, and, and there's been a lot of kind of branding on, you know, well, I don't want to pick on the big guys because they've had enough of a kicking in the public markets, but, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, people have made it more appealing to engage with your insurance um, business and places like Lemonade have absolutely done a good job on that, um, ignoring the fundamentals, but like that, uh, I don't think that's what people consider important. Um, I was speaking to Ben from uh, Honeycomb uh, Insurance uh, on a on a podcast I've just recorded, and 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 he came up with this great phrase, which is that you know <laughs> insurance doesn't have to be your drinking buddy. Um, and I followed it up with like, no, it needs to be your designated driver. <laughs> you know, and it's it's, and I was like, I, I think I think we we're onto something because I think all this desire to make people fall in love with things is it's a it's a safety net. It's it's supposed to be there at all times to kind of keep you safe. It doesn't have to be something we fall in love with. But I think to you, something you were speaking to is is a little bit about education, um, because that personal risk manager thing. I mean, like you've worked in insurance for for over a decade. Um, do you read all of your policy documents? Do you have you gone through your wordings? I, I'm I'm ashamed to say that that I don't. Um, that, that's actually crazy. sometimes i do and it, it depends on like how interested i am in the product from a, not not as a consumer but as a professional yeah uh, but even i don't you know I, I don't think i read my homeowner's policy on this home that we're here right now really uh, yeah uh, and i totally agree with you when 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 it comes time to file a claim whether it's i just crashed my car it's not i can't drive it i need a i need another car very quickly or my home is not livable and I need mm -hmm. to, I need money to mm -hmm. move to a hotel temporarily. Um, and it's how you deliver that. I, I totally agree that they're there, that sort of just matching the sort of experience that the consumers expect in other parts of their lives. Yes. Yeah. And I love that saying that, uh, um, you know, insurance doesn't have to be your drinking buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, we we were we were Perfect. quite pleased. We were quite pleased with ourselves on that podcast. <laughs> it's it's going to come out soon. I'm going to, Great trade market. Uh, yeah, no, I might get onto that. Um, I want to jump uh, a few things. I I love what you've done with the uh, the design of, of 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 the website. You know, even the choice of name Armadillo. Um, but the clarity of of your message, I think, on the website has been really interesting. Um, I think it's really easy to understand. Um, do you think that's you know? going on from this kind of conversation do you think that's some of the challenge i mean we're just talking about wordings for example and policy documents has that been an issue that uh, and, and is i suppose is that solvable do you think because because regulation obviously enforces a large has a large part to play in that as well yeah you know I, I think um clarity of what a consumer is getting and not getting is always going to be an issue that we continuously try to solve for and in homework i think homework is a 
relatively simpler product. Um, yeah. So in the context of home warranty, we, we have the luxury of being able to just say, these are the things we cover. We did do a lot of work, to be fair. We did do a lot of work. We removed a lot of exclusions that all of our competitors have in their contracts. And our product is a little bit more expensive as a result of that. Um, but we thought that was important because a lot of those exclusions are what led to consumers are just not happy after mm -hmm. declined or for, for claim or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done on education. I think most consumers don't want to don't want to be educated that much. They want to be sort of told what's right for them. So it's, a, it's a, how do you do that in different lines of business? Um, we did we took extra care with our website. I have to say, my uh, my wife who's actually at home right now um, did a lot. Of, it helped us a lot with um, the writing there, and we have a few other very talented people who did. But we spent a lot of time on the website and specifically the copy to make sure that the journey that a consumer goes through as they go through our website is very clear they know what value they're getting and and why um this product would be great for them as homeowners um mm -hmm. but I, I, yeah it's, it's a challenge like commercial insurance is a scary one you know we have, we have a bit so I, you know now i'm on the other side i have a business or i'm a dealer i need to insure the business and insure myself so i have key man life insurance on my own life and I have all this general liability and you know different dno and types of insurance mm -hmm. for armadillo and um that to me is also an area that's where education is important. That's where me as a CEO or our CFO need to take time and really sit down with a broker who's going to take really understand our business and structure structure things for us so that we know where our gaps are and whether we want to take those risks and exposures mm. or insure them. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned this probably too many times people get bored of it on the on the podcast but I, I, I always resonates me with me that you know this thing of me being asked as a business owner how much how much coverage I want for certain elements of, of my insurance and the answer is I don't know because I don't know what a typical claim looks like so I, you know what's the typical claim for D&O it's a, a person that runs a headhunting business I, I don't I don't know um uh, <laughs> do, do they happen uh, in what circumstances and 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 it's that classic thing of it's it's being turned towards me and that's where a broker would be hugely beneficial because that's where they add that value um totally. yeah completely um uh, something that we talked about before when we previously talked, spoke was about that you know you're a tech forward business um rather than necessarily an insure tech um would you say you're an insure tech um would you say you're something else uh this, yeah, we, spoke, we spoke about this on the phone i remember this uh, <laughs> i knew this question would come up um so okay um I, it, we, I definitely consider us an insure tech. We'll start there. I also consider us, well, I consider Armadillo as operating in the intersection of uh, insure tech and prop tech. Yeah. To carrier partners, even though home warranty is not necessarily, it's not an insurance product. It's a service mm -hmm. contract. We have two insurance carriers that are underwriting the risk. Fundamentally, it's an insurable risk. Otherwise, we would not be, probably would not be in business in a few years, but uh, it's an insurable risk, high frequency, low severity, predictable as long as, as you have the right loss control mechanisms in place. Definitely mm -hmm. true. Prop tech, we sell our product mostly through um, real estate agents, real estate platforms, digital platforms, certainly a prop tech player. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ultimately those labels, they're great. And all of that, what, the message I would send to investors, because I think this is relevant to investors, is that 
we're building a great product and we want to build a profitable product and a sustainable business. And I think whether it's insure tech or prop tech or whatever tech, uh, we are definitely tech forward. Um, our technology is all built from scratch in-house and it's the best uh, in class and in industry. Um, and we don't have any legacy systems in place. So there's a lot of value being built there. And I think we're doing things smartly. So we're building a product that's profitable and want to make sure that we focus on profitable distribution channels. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, we like InsureTech. We go to every conference or that we can. Uh, we go to some PropTech conferences, but quite honestly, we go to many more non-InsureTech or PropTech conferences where we can attain the right types of distribution partners. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's, uh, so yeah, so I guess we are in InsureTech, but yeah 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 i mean the, the the labels are kind of a bit meaningless anyway as well you know we call some businesses insure techs which are you no know, initial tech is an fga or we could the, the new carriers are called insure techs but they are for all intents and purposes insurance carriers and, and and then i think i think where it's interesting talking about the business like your, your yourself is just we're talking about insurance doesn't doesn't distribute itself very well and we're also talking about how insurance is pervasive in every part of our lives so it's natural that a business is not going to necessarily sit in a pure insurance play because it sort of depends on what you're trying to cover that might not be the best place to put it um, and therefore it might not be the best sort of way to sort of describe a business in, in a in a snappy you know made up word <laughs> yeah true, true. Uh, i'm going to open the door my, so my dog i don't know if you can hear he's scratching the door i'm going to open the door for him because otherwise he'll uh you guys yeah, will yeah. hear the podcast. Yeah, no problem. It's a big dog. <laughs> what, what, what dog is it? It is a big dog. He's a Australian Shepherd poodle mix on the bigger size, and he's sort of like a Sasquatch. He's uh, now lying on the bed there. Really cute. Really, really cute. Oh, man. I'm jealous. My, my, uh, partner's, aller my partner's allergic to dogs, so we can't get one. It makes me very upset, but. You know, I, I like her more than I'd like having a dog around, probably, um, <laughs> which is good. Um, anyway, where were we? We were talking about uh, the short tech prop tech. Um, yeah. di distribution models. Um, you mentioned it there. You said, said distribution models. Um, what is to talk about that? It's, it's really varied, isn't it? You, you don't, you've got multiple kind of lines. Um, is this... Is this part of finding the right path? Do you, are you going to narrow that distribution over time? Is it narrowing already? That's a great question. Um, you know, we we so we're selling we're selling one product and we're selling it through different distribution channels. Mm -hmm. uh, so as long as we don't have to change the product significantly or the delivery model significantly, it's it's okay. We're in a good place because we can try different things. It is definitely as a startup, uh, we believe there is a lot of opportunity in distribution channels that no one has ever either looked at or cracked. Mm -hmm from a competitive standpoint so we're trying new things we're also doing old things that we know work so we sell the product through real estate agents uh, we have sales reps we do that we have we have a better product than our competitors um, real estate agents are seeing that and they're converting they're starting to sell our product and that's great and we knew that would work um, another channel uh, and this is a really important probably the most important channel uh, is the insurance channel for us we think that our product is a great addition to any agent, any broker, all the way up to a carrier, homeowners carriers. Uh, we know other home warranty companies looked at that space, are looking at that space. None of them have done it right. And, and this is probably the most important thing that I could say. Um, if any insurance professional is listening today, we're the only um, 
company in this category that comes from within the space and has thought deeply about how we can deliver for our agents. Mm. The nature of the relationship of a brokerage with their client is a, it's a long-term relationship. It's not like a realtor, you're selling a home, maybe you'll see them again in their next, next transaction, but the, the broker has an ongoing relationship. That's why we removed 80% of the exclusions. That, that's why we made the, the product itself so much more consumer-centric. The product is more expensive, but it will deliver for those clients. Um, so we, when we talk to insurance brokers, for us, it's not home warranty. It's another risk management tool that they have, they have in their toolbox to offer alongside homeowners or alongside other lines of business. Um, and I think that uh, we have a huge opportunity in that space. Um, and that we're lucky that no other home warranty we've seen actually recently we saw one of the the other tech home warranty company out there writing an article on a PNC magazine and it's like it made me it makes me laugh it's like you guys you, know, you, you I'm looking at the product it's like it's not going to work it's not going to work you um, you have to understand that when the when the consumer files a claim you, you need to deliver on that claim because ultimately it will come back to the broker and the broker wants the consumer to have a great experience so that they can use that opportunity to say that's great. I'm glad we got you that tool. And by the way, you should think about an umbrella coverage or something else. So, so we have, so we, um, that's another channel. We think it's going to work. It's still early days. And, and I think we're doing very good. We hired Leif Kaufman, who I mentioned before, our VP of, um, uh, I don't know if it was before recording, I mentioned her or not. She's our VP of insurance yeah. and partnerships. She comes from the, she was an independent agent. After that, she worked for uh, Openly, um, the insured tech carrier. And she is um, one of the most wonderful ind individuals. She's authentic. She, she believes not only in our product, but in, in the independent agent and their role. And, um, and I think uh, we're going to do some great things there. And then there are a few other channels that we're not publicly talking about that those are the channels that other home warranty carriers have not thought about, have not touched. Uh, and those channels will sort of keep under the wraps for the time being. But there, it's also, like you said, it's a, it's a test. And as, a, as stewards of our investors' capital, um, it goes back to your question, which is, is it sort of a see what works? Um, um, it is. So it's our job right now to double down on the things that work and quickly cut out the things that don't work if we know they're not going to work for sure. Yeah. Uh, so far, we've been fortunate that I think most of the things that we've tried are we're seeing very, very good early indicators, but it's still early days, to be fair. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about timing as well, because, you know, we talked about, you know, leaving the safe, secure job at AIG. Um, why was now the right time for you? Um, so, you know, I have two young kids and a big dog. Uh, and we just, <laughs> bought, we just bought a house. We bought the house before I left AIG. Mm -hmm. uh, it was after COVID hit, before I left AIG. Um, so... And I was already past the threshold of being very, very comfortable at Edgy, salary-wise. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and work-wise, I was working from home. Was, you know, it's great. Um, so it was a big jump for me. And I sort of touched on the why I fell in love with warranty, but it also ties into why, why now. I, you know, there are people basically said, Matan, you know, we think you can do this. And we're going to be there. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. If you leave Edgy, we're going to be there. It's going to be... And we're going to we'll raise the money together. We'll, we are one of them was an insurance carrier. We're going to underwrite the program. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you had this sort of things aligning that made me comfortable enough to say, you know what, I'm going to, I can, I can leave, I can make the leap right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it was after COVID hit. So from a business perspective, we did feel that the importance of the home in people's lives 
it's just become that much more important and our product solves for easy living and you know hassle-free home ownership um uh a lot of new first-time homeowners, people who lived in cities were leaving the cities because of COVID and buying homes. A lot of people were moving to different states, new states have never lived in, had no support, support system or network in. Um, so we felt like it was a really good time. Um, you touched on the 4% penetration rate. Um, I touched on the distribution channel opportunity. Um, so if a lot of things lined up and we felt like uh, if there's ever a time, this is a good time and we have a good chance of building a really good book of business, a really great asset. And um, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a combination of things, but hopefully that answers the question through the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, of course, of course. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I, I, I don't think there's ever an easy time. I, I, I'd actually done the same thing. I think when I started my um, my first business, I basically got I got my deposit for my house and I was like, right, that's the biggest lump of cash I'm ever going to have to find uh hopefully ever again because i'll keep <laughs> keep rolling it on and i was like once i was kind of ready to go i was like right that's it um you never have enough money it, it's never ever going to be the easiest time um but sometimes things play in it's kind of interesting how covid would have would have come into play um you know now people are valuing their homes more because they're at home more it's kind of more important you know there's so much diy going on <laughs> at the moment yeah um yeah, I, I won't bore you with my DIY stories, uh, but it's been that's, that's been my that's been my coronavirus. It's just been basically been me pretending I know know the right end of a saw. Um, I wanted to we, we touched on funding, and, and this probably probably be my last question because I know we've um, we, we, we're tight on time. Um, you took on some outside funding. At what stage did you take the business to before you did so, um, and, and was that kind of is, was that part of your thought process going into the launch? Was it right? We're going to take outside funding at this point. Yeah, um, you know, I I think I was one of those very fortunate individuals, now an entrepreneur, where that initial tranche of funding was not as hard to get as a lot of entrepreneurs face. It was nothing special about Matan. It was the right time, right place. I did have a great experience from AIG and good credentials. And a co-founder who's built two businesses before and sold both of them to Fortune 50 companies. Um, so that made it easier to raise that initial tranche. Um, so I didn't have to leave AIG, build a business, and only then raise the money. Left AIG and very quickly raised capital. I get paid less than 50% of what I got paid at AIG. I'm definitely, I have my skin in the game big time. Um, for, for the time being, there's, we're probably, probably not making enough money to support the lifestyle that we need as a family living in New York with two kids and, and a dog. Yeah. Uh, um, so, but, but yeah, we, we was very, for, I was in the best possible situation where I didn't have to spend a lot of my time thinking about fundraising and trying to figure that out. And then late last year, we had another, another round. We're, we're not yet publicly disclosing, disclosing it, but incredible investors also, also lucky in the types of investors that came in at this very simple cap table. And, uh, extremely strategic investors unbelievable um and uh, and we want to continue that so as we as we go through our uh, path from a fundraising perspective if we need to raise more money which i'm assuming we will at this stage um it will be from capital providers that can help some part of our business beyond just providing money because we feel like we're in that fortunate position where we can sort of go for that and we also feel like 
that the, the interests are more aligned and the, the, the chances of success are greater when you do that. Um, but yeah, there was kind of, I, I didn't jump off of AIG, uh, go homeless, and then last minute get capital infusion that got me here. And, um, it was it was a it was a very smooth transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not not gonna have any sympathy for you if we talk again. You tell me you're having a hard time because it was uh, it sounds it sounds too smooth sailing. But no, well, that's I, I mean that's uh, that is the dream scenario, isn't it? But but clearly the product and the and the business you're building is 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 warrants it because they don't give that away. Funding's been tricky, I think. I think lately for, for for a few people. But it's interesting what you say there as well. Like it's not you know we've had a couple of we've been lucky to have a couple of VCs. Uh, you know some of them I I know that you know on the podcast and. Um, even they've been transparent and said, look, there's quite a lot of money out there. So it's not, it's not just about them, them investing it now. It's like, what else are they going to bring to the table for you? Um, what, is there anything specific that, that you think you'd look help for? Cause some people look for kind of help with like, like talent acquisition. Sometimes it's kind of distribution plays. Um, yeah. Is there anything specific you look for in, 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 in your vest, investors from that perspective? Yeah, most important is distribution um, at this point. Uh, talent is always huge. Uh, and you and I spoke about that. We, we just hired our CTO, and that was such a long process. Um, from a VC investor, we don't. that's not typically the first thing we ask for, but we do ask them how, who, who's, who helps their other startups. And that's, yeah, how, yeah. We got, that's how we got it. <laughs> uh, but, but no, distribution was the first and foremost. Um, uh, any technology uh, that can lead to a, an unfair competitive advantage for us. We have one investor who provides us with that. Uh, we, got, we have proprietary data on every single appliance type, every sim single model type, and that, that is huge. That's one investor, but our latest investor is an incredible distribution partner. Um, and uh, we're looking to grow that relationship. Uh, and I think in the future, that will be the sort of the Pecking order will be distribution technology that creates some sort of an unfair advantage, if relevant. Um, and then there might be a few other things like liking the people. Uh, yeah, like investors <laughs> is also up there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're very fortunate with the with the latest set of investors. Actually, with every single investors, uh, unbelievable uh, individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's amazing and important to me. I I looked at the investor community from the outside looking in before I got to know a few during you know working with startups and um, I don't. It's like this sort of world of mystery sometimes. But actually, you get to it. Some of the most personable kind of people that are like really approachable happy to kick ideas around even that really early ideas as well that kind of are barely an idea and and, and um, it's just that it seems to me that the people that are really good in the space are just inquisitive open-minded individuals oh. that you know so um oh. but they've got enough of an ego let's we don't have to flatter the uh <laughs> the, the community I, you, know, you know what i love i'll tell you i, I love the the ones that were operators at one point because mm. it's sort of it's less thesis based. I love, and thesis is really important. Don't get me yeah. wrong. About that. But the discussions that we've had, especially this one investor that just came in, um, um, and specifically the individual who we've been working with very closely was on our board. He comes from a business that was acquired, um, and he was in the business. And you know, when you have those discussions with this individual, even though he's an investor, I, I personally really appreciate the the practical 
sort of discussion of how do we figure out distribution we just like we get we go right for the point mm. it's not like that hyperbolic of like you know if you get your footprint in the home then you can sell more stuff really important but ultimately it's the practical stuff that's going to drive uh, revenue dollars and it's the practical stuff that's going to lead to great loss ratios um so i, I per, i'm usually biased towards that but i've seen some some yeah some of the most smartest people in different vcs are just absolutely great yeah yeah no i completely agree um i will uh, i'll be conscious of our time and and, and I, I think we'll wrap it up there because that's been a great conversation so uh, suffice to say thank you so much for uh, uh being a guest and um what's the dog what's the dog's name toby toby <laughs> door right right in the middle toby what well, i but, told you not to bother us when we were yeah <laughs> thank you toby for being part of it um right here <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't have some sort of interruption there. Yeah. And a, a dog's one of the cuter ones. So it's usually just an Amazon guy turning up with the delivery. So um, <laughs> look, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, really excited to see what you guys get up to. Um, and, and obviously, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stateside pretty soon. So we'll, we'll have to meet up if we can. For sure, Alex. Thank you so much for having me and um, looking forward to build a relationship. Great stuff. All the best. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.